What if God could change your life in three seconds? Don't believe he can? God, he's doing amazing things, moving throughout this world, saving people, redeeming people, and I am just one of the many people that he has touched. When God came to me, it felt like 20 minutes, but in reality, it was only three seconds. If God could do that in my life, why not yours? My name is Nick and I'm a local church pastor in the state of Washington. Join me as we go before God to have a three second moment. Hi, welcome to the three second moment podcast. You are listening to episode three titled, What is Faith? And before we get into the content of today's episode, I wanted to remind you guys that we have an email. It is number three second moment at gmail.com, number three second moment at gmail.com. And through that email, you can send me your prayer requests, your feedback, and your suggestions, or any other questions that you may have regarding God, faith, the Bible, Christian living. Um, I'm going to read all of your emails. I will be praying for you. And I want to support you and serve you guys in that way as well. Also, you know, the reason why I keep asking for your guys' feedback and things like that is because I just want to let you guys know that I am not above accountability in my teaching. I am submitted under the Word of God, not next to it or above it. So please check the Bible for yourselves to see if my teaching is true. If my teaching is out of step with the biblical narrative, with the gospel, then please email me and let me know. I am more than willing to humble myself and submit myself to God and publicly repent before God because this ministry is public. Okay, so I just want to let you guys know that, all right? I am not above the Word of God and what the Word of God clearly teaches, but I'm here to give you what I see and what I have strong conviction for that really gives me freedom in life and and not just in an ethereal sense but in a true true sense I'm just trying to give that to you guys and so please send me emails okay please check my teachings okay Um, please I'm here to exalt the name and the Word of God only not myself and so let's get into the today's content all right so today we are looking at what is faith and when you guys look at this title you guys are probably asking why are we talking about faith it is so elementary but the reason why I felt so strongly and so convicted that this is actually a super important topic for us is because there is a subtle confusion it's a subtle confusion about faith that is ongoing in our generation right now the current concept of faith is similar to the concept of the force in Star Wars. See, people think this, the greater or stronger my spiritual force of faith is, then the more I will see God move in my life. People, and this is not only what people believe, but there's even some people who are teaching this. They're saying this, the greater my faith, the more money I'll have. The greater my faith, the more soundness of mind I'll have. The greater my faith, the more successful I will become. The greater my faith, the less I will be sick. The greater my faith, the more I'll be able to see miracles in my life. 
And deception, this is very key and important. Deception is always subtle. Otherwise, it wouldn't be able to deceive. And so this current concept of faith is is the reason why I'm speaking on this is because there's a subtle deception. Because the current concept of faith is described using this type of language. Like it's almost like a spiritual force. And they always, whenever they people speak about faith, they use language like, like language of height. They say, get your faith high. Meaning this, God is supernatural and he can do the impossible. So dream and believe in the impossible and, and let God make it so in your life. But this is not what faith is. This is so subtle, but it is a deception in our generation. And the reason why this is a deception is because the implication is that God is here to make your dreams come true. And people will justify this by saying, wait, 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 wait. But what if my dreams are given to me by God and so my dreams are actually God's dreams? What if my dreams that I have are actually God-given dreams? I mean, God wants what's best for me, right? Well, let me ask you this. Haven't you noticed that the only people who are having their so-called dreams for God, dreams given by God, how come, haven't you ever noticed that the only people who are having these so-called dreams for God fulfilled seem to be only the full-time ministers who are teaching this and not the normal everyday Christian? Haven't you noticed that the normal everyday Christian continues to struggle while it seems like the full-time ministers that are teaching this type of faith doctrine are prospering? I think the dreams of the full-time ministers are coming true, but I don't know about the normal everyday Christian. Please show me the statistics on that because this is what I have noticed. I have noticed that ministers who teach this have pretty full pockets and their dreams are coming true, right? Their dream ministry, their dream church, it's so big, whatever it might be. But those who follow these ministers, guess what? Those who follow these ministers, they're always on the edge of hope. Never actually grasping the hope, but they're always on the edge of hope, believing that, and this is the key word, believing that one day God will give them their quote-unquote breakthrough. Haven't you always noticed that it's, it's always one day, one day? And these, these ministers, they, they further strengthen your false hope, this false faith, by teaching you that God will fulfill your dreams. Dreams that actually are not your dreams, but are God-given. They're apparently dreams from God. And that God will always do it. He will do it, but it will come one day. And haven't you ever noticed that these ministers who teach this, they always say, it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. And you come and you, you're hearing this message and you have to be reliant on this pastor's message because you're always waiting for that one day, one day. And every week you're like, please, let it be this day. Please, let it be this day, this day, this day. But that day never comes. See, the problem is this. Faith is not a spiritual force that is harnessed to achieve the impossible and to let your dreams come true. Faith is not believing that your dreams will come true. You can't just say that this is a dream from God because I'm just going to slap it on and say this is from God. That's not what faith is. This is what faith is. Faith is believing not that your dreams will come true, but faith is believing that God is true and that his promises are assured. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 1. 
It says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And people will look at this verse and they'll tell me, Hey, wait, 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 wait. Well, look there. It says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so that includes my dreams, and that includes miracles, and that includes success, and that includes wealth. But let's look at what the author of Hebrews means when he says, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The meaning of what this is, is clearly found in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 13. All you have to do is just read on and finish that chapter. It says this in Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13. It says this, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. And so in regards to defining what biblical faith, real faith, saving faith actually is, God's word is crystal clear. And so let me give you some context. Here in Hebrews 11, this is famously known as the Hall of Faith. And this Hall of Faith describes these different people throughout human history whom God himself has recognized to possess real faith. And these people had confidence in what they hoped for. These are people who had conviction for things not seen. And notice, it isn't their dreams. It isn't miracles. It isn't success. It isn't health. It isn't security. It's none of those things. Their faith was in God for a, quote, better country, a heavenly one, end quote. In other words, their hope, the, the conviction of things not seen, the assurance of things hoped for, was in the kingdom of heaven, the new creation. People who possess real faith have their hopes in the kingdom of heaven and in the new creation. And so when the Bible is saying faith is the assurance of things hoped for, it is meaning the assurance of the kingdom of heaven and the new creation. And when it says that faith is the conviction of things not seen, the things not seen is the kingdom of heaven and the new creation. And so simply put, faith is in God's redemption. Faith is in God's gospel. Not in the dream, not in a miracle, but in the gospel, in God's redemption. We see, you see in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, it says this, For He, meaning God, for He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so this is what true faith is, brothers and sisters. Faith in God's redemption in Jesus Christ. For it is in Jesus Christ that the kingdom of heaven has come to earth and the new creation has been initiated. Faith is not a spiritual force that can be harnessed to achieve your dreams and goals. 
right? That's not what it is. It's not if you have greater faith, that doesn't necessarily mean, right, that it's a type of spiritual force that you can use to manipulate your success in ministry or or your success in business, whatever it might be. That's not what faith is. Faith is trusting in God. Trusting in God, His character, His attributes, His works. Faith is trusting in the cross of Jesus Christ. Faith is trusting in the resurrection from the dead. Faith is trusting in the coming of the new creation. Faith is trusting in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Faith is trusting in God's redemption. And faith is trusting in the gospel. So this is so important, brothers and sisters. It is a subtle deception that's happening right now, but it is so important because that subtle thing is enough, right? Like when you're shooting a bullet, one degree off will will completely change the trajectory, especially if the target is further away. One degree off, that subtle difference can mean a headshot or a miss. And it's the same thing with God. That subtle deception of what faith is, this weird concept that it's a spiritual force, that subtle deception is enough to completely make you miss the biblical mark of what true faith really is. And so the question now is, so how do we increase or grow or deepen or mature in real faith? And look at this. This is what's happening right now in our culture. People say, they, they pray and they sing songs and they're like crying out to God, God, give me more faith as if God is going to magically increase the spiritual substance of our faith. That's not how it works, right? Or some people think like, I got to go to a hype conference or like a revival night or a retreat or, or even a, mission, a short-term mission trip and that's where my faith will really grow. That's not what... That's not how your faith grows. That's not how your faith even began in the first place. That's not how your faith deepens or matures, okay? Because haven't you ever noticed that your so-called faith fizzles out after a while, after you come back from the conference, after you come back from the retreat, after you come back from the revival night, after you come back from the mission trip, your faith fizzles out after a while. And then you just feel like you have to go back to another conference, another retreat, another revival night, or maybe even another mission trip in order for your faith to come back alive again. But that's not how your faith grows. That's not even how your faith started, brothers and sisters. Let me tell you what the Bible says so clearly. It gives us everything. Let's look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Let me say that again. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so faith doesn't come from events and trips. It comes from hearing the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the gospel, from hearing about God's redemption, about hearing about how the kingdom of God has come and a new creation has been initiated through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so how do we grow in our faith? A faith that is acknowledged and recognized by God himself? Man, we gotta go back to the gospel. We gotta go back to God's word. Let's look at John chapter 6, okay? This is my last text. John chapter 6 is where Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And and at least 5,000 people are following Jesus at this time. And they were listening to Jesus' teachings. They witnessed and experienced his miracle power. For he multiplied food. He was casting out demons. He was doing all sorts of things. But but notice these 5,000 people, they did not have faith. 
And how do we know? It's because when Jesus tested their faith by proclaiming, quote, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And when Jesus said this, guess what? They all left Jesus. Because you see, their faith wasn't in God's gospel. It wasn't in the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't in the kingdom of God. It wasn't in God's redemption. It wasn't in any of that. Their faith was in God's provision, in God's miracles, right? They, in other words, they sought God for how God could make their lives better in this creation rather than the next, in this kingdom rather than the next. And as all these multitudes of people left, Jesus turned to his disciples. He turned to the 12 and said to them, do you want to go away as well? And in John chapter 6, verse 68, we see Peter's response, Apostle Peter's response. He says this, quote, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words, the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so Peter says this, catch this, you have the words of eternal life. And so how is faith strengthened? Only by the word of God, by the scriptures. For God's word is eternal life. It is the new creation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17 says, All scripture, meaning Old Testament and New Testament, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so God's word is what strengthens our faith so that we may be complete and mature men and women of God. And so then, notice what Peter says in John chapter 6, verse 69. He says, and we have believed. Believed in what? Right? He says, he says, you have the words of eternal life, and we have believed. What did he believe in? He believed in the words. The words. And when he believed in the words, he recognized that those words were the words of eternal life. And that these words, right, we have believed. And then what does it say? And we have come to know. Meaning this, that God's word is directly tied to God's identity. And the way that we increase in our faith in God is by first coming to believe in God's word. We come to know God through the scriptures. And so they believed in God's word through God's word. They believed in Jesus Christ through God's word. And they have come to know God's identity, that he really is the Holy One of God. God's word and God's identity are the same. And so as you grow in your knowledge and love of the scriptures, so will your knowledge and love for God grow. And so brothers and sisters, let's strip off the subtle deception. Again, deception must be subtle in order for it to deceive. And if, you know, like the bullet analogy, one degree off will mean the difference between a headshot or a miss, right? And so as you grow in your knowledge, and your love of the scriptures, and you remove yourself from this subtle deception that is happening right now in the church, and be restored into what is truly a biblical and saving faith that is acknowledged and recognized by God himself, then man, our generation can change. Brothers and sisters, don't let the culture define what faith is. Let the scriptures define what faith is. Let's give ourselves to the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. And guess what? The Bible is not about you. It's not about the world. It is about Christ. And so let's stop. Let's stop giving ourselves to this subtle 
deception, brothers and sisters. Let's stop and let's repent for conceiving of faith as a spiritual force to be harnessed, as something that is utilized to make our lives on earth better. Right? Let's repent of that. Let's repent in believing that faith is what, what enacts, right? the spiritual force of faith is what enacts miracle power and wealth and health. And let's just come back to what saved us in the first place. Let's just come back to the gospel. Let's believe once again with all fervency in our spirit and the fullness of our being in God's redemption by the cross of Jesus Christ because this is what true faith is. And so what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is in not this kingdom, but in the kingdom of heaven, not this world, but in the next world. And so brothers and sisters, let's pray. God, Father, you are holy and righteous. There is none like you. Who can compare to the Lord Almighty? You can, you stand in your awesome presence. And so Father, we repent for our wicked conception of faith. We repent for all the subtle ways that our hearts and minds have strayed away from the clarity of your word. God, we confess that you are right and we are wrong. We confess that your definition of faith is the truth and not our conception of faith. Lord, restore us into what is proper, what is true, and what is noble in the eyes of God. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb who secured our redemption by grace. We thank you and we love you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, brothers and sisters, let's walk in real faith. Amen. And so I hope that God used this episode in order to serve your heart and your mind, to correct it, to move it, and shift it even just a little bit so that you can keep in step with the Spirit, walk in the fullness of Christ, and champion the gospel to the day that you die. And so please join us next time in episode four. In, in the next episode, we are going to be talking about how to be a witness. And I'm really excited for that episode, and I hope you will be too. And so God bless you. Jesus loves you so much. And have a great day. Peace.